Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it is, um, it is the first step. Prayer is the, the first step in the last step of exercising your dominion and authority over Satan. Amen. And I want to kind of touch on, kind of pick up. I don't want to drop you off. I want to show you some things tonight about exercising your dominion. Amen. And um, everybody should uh, listen to Pastor Petra's message on, um, he called it the dominion mandate. And um, you need to listen to that. And you can go on Facebook and go on the Church on the Rock um, Church on the Rock Facebook page and, and listen to that message. And um, I would listen to it and take notes of it and listen to it as many times as you can, amen, to help you. And it'll help you in, in exercising your dominion and authority because that's what it's going to take for you to exercise your spiritual inherited rights as a New Testament believer for, for receiving your promises and exercising authority over Satan. Amen. So let's go over here and look in, um, in Luke uh, chapter 11. And what I'm doing on Wednesday nights, I'm just really working with prayer because um, and, and prayer is defined, prayer is defined as communication with God. That's what prayer is, is communicating with God. And so um, Jesus' entire life was a communication with the Heavenly Father. That's what you're watching. When you're watching Jesus, he's demonstrating the prayer life that we are supposed to have with the Father. Because without a prayer life, he does not accomplish anything. Now, why? Why is that so? Because Jesus said, I only do or say what I hear. Okay, I only do what I say. What I say and what I do is because I heard it from the Father. Therefore, prayer was involved in everything he did and everything he said. That it was a it was a communicated action that he received from the Father. And prayer is is two ways. Or communication is two ways. It is hearing and giving feedback. And then it is that other side, hearing and giving feedback. And so when I'm talking to the Father, it can be because I'm asking him a question. It could be because um, I am making a request. Um, it's probably going to be one of those two. When he speaks back to me, it could be a command or it could be an answer to or information to a question I ask. Or it could be he's asking me a question. But normally it's going to be it's going to be information or it's going to be a command for something for me to do. 
And the reason why I say that is only three reasons to communicate. I always talk about that. There's only three reasons to communicate in writing or, 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 or in verbal speech. There's only three reasons that people talk. It's either to ask the question, to give a command, or to give information. So guess what the Bible is going to be loaded with? It's going to be loaded with information, commands, questions. Okay? So that's what it's going to be. It's what you, when you're reading, that's what you're looking at. So and you follow the night and you can, uh, you can see this. So let's look over here in, um, um, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. This is a very important instruction on prayer that Jesus gives us. It said, and it came to pass that as they, he was praying, he was praying. So let us know in, in, in Luke chapter 11 that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he stopped or when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. It says, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. So he's asking that the Lord teach him how to pray. And as John taught his, he's not trying to get the same teaching that John taught his disciples. He's saying, I want to be taught because John's disciples was taught. But we want to know how to pray like you praying. Yeah. Okay, we want to know how to pray like you praying because we're seeing that when you pray, things happen. Amen. When you pray, things happen. When you talk to the Heavenly Father, it should always produce a result. Amen. It should always produce a result. And every thing we do should be prayed about. We should, the Bible even tells us to pray about our services, our coming together. What the, you're coming together and coming together without prayer reduces the potential of the service. When people come and they don't pray for the pastor, and the Bible tells you to pray for your pastor. But Paul said, pray for me. Amen. Um, you know, when Pastor Petrie was here, when Dr. Jacobs taught me how to pray, when I'm in a position to receive from somebody that's coming to me to preach the word. And we teach you to pray Romans 15, 29. That when this person comes, I'm believing, Father, you're going to put the fullness of the blessing in them. And I'm going to be speaking to a per. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be in a service and the person that I'm going to be receiving for. I prayed that the fullness of the blessing be in them for me. And you know what happens when a whole church prays that way? About a service, the fullness of the blessing is going to be there. There's going to be an outpouring and an empowerment in that service. Amen. That's going to bless their life. Amen. And then it says over here, and that's, that's Romans 15, 29. You can pray for a servant he's talking about. This is just an example. Then he says over in Romans chapter 1, I believe it's verse 9 or verse 11. Just write both of them down because both of those verses are good. That Paul said that when I come, I'm going to impart to you a spiritual ability. And that's why and when I bring people to this church, I want them to leave a deposit. Amen. That there's going to be ability deposited in this church so that your life can be lived on a higher level. But you have to ask God for that, that 
when he comes, my face is going to be seen and spiritual gifts are going to be imparted so that the, so there's an ability given me to so that when I, as I go through life, I'm better equipped to handle the challenges that come against my life. You have to ask for that. Amen. You have to ask for that. Then um, I think it's um, let me find it. I think it's first Thessalonians. And it's chapter first Thessalonians is chapter one It's you know, and I'm just giving you the scriptures that my pastor gave me because it helps me. Um, it helps me. I think it's first Thessalonians chapter three. And verse 10, it says night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and may perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Amen. Intercession in that in that vein is giving the minister a chance to protect my perfect my faith if I'm believing for that. In this case, Paul was praying that and I'm longing to see you. There's things I pray before I even come to minister to you. Amen. Because I want those things to happen. Amen. It's things I want to happen because we had this time together. So coming to church should be preceded with intercession. We really shouldn't just walk in and expect something to happen. And we didn't ask for nothing to happen. We just walked in. If you went to, um, if you were going, <laughs> if you were going to an amusement park and you knew something about it, you, you would say, you know, I'm planning on Experiencing this feature of that park or this feature of that park. I'm planning to, you know, experience certain things because or I'm going on a vacation and going in a certain area where I want to see the beach or I want to see this. Well, I'm I'm setting up a list of things that I want to experience when I come into that atmosphere. Well, that's the same thing we should do for the house of God. And now we got scripture and verse telling us we should do that when somebody comes. So when I get ready to go here, Dr. Jacobs, I could be in my car and now and I'm on my way there and, and I will pray those three verses. Because I want something to happen if I'm going to take the time to go there, then I want something to happen that's going to be a betterment to my life. And it only happens because you intercede for it. Sometimes we get the benefit of blessing, spiritual impartation. Increase in our faith because somebody else prayed. But we have to get to a place where we all take a prayer responsibility for what's going to happen in our services. Amen. And it comes through prayer. So it says right here and Jesus was saying and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so this is what he said. And this is his response. So that he asked and what did the Lord do? He responded because when you're talking to God. You're supposed to get whatever you ask for as long as his will. So is it God's will that his children pray to him? Absolutely his will. So then he's going to answer this question. Whatever, if it's his will, you're supposed to get a response. Amen. If it's his will, you're supposed to get the help that you asked for. So he was asking for the help. Teach me how to pray. Derek Prince said it like this. The person 
that master's prayer is the most powerful person on the planet. All power is generated through intercessory prayer, which means that preaching becomes more powerful when it's preceded with intercession. My service in the church becomes more powerful if it's preceded with intercession. My business will get stronger if it's preceded with intercession. My marriage will get stronger if it's covered with intercession. You don't want nothing uncovered in this life because the Bible gives you the authority to cover your entire life in intercession. Amen. And then it gives you the authority to cast the devil out. Amen. So I'm getting I'm getting spiritual promises and benefits to show up in my life. Amen. And at the same time, I'm getting darkness off. Amen. And that is. And when you can get the promises of God to show up in your life to produce salvation and deliverance and help for your whole family and then cast out the devil, you living then. That's living. Amen. What is living? Keeping the enemy from having an effect on my day to day life, but allowing the blessings to affect me in my day to day life. That's when you that's what life. that's what I'm going to show you in the Bible. That's what eternal life is. Eternal life is not waiting till you get to heaven. Amen. Because eternal life is the devil going to be there in heaven in eternal life. Oh, is he going to be here in the new heaven and the new earth? Absolutely not. Amen. Is it going to be any poverty or sickness? No, it's not. That's why people are excited about eternal life. But Jesus wasn't trying to get you to have eternal life, you know, and. Cause you ain't trying to go to heaven today anyway. And he's not trying to get that whenever you, you, you pass from this planet. He wants you to have it right now. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to have more of it. I want you to have peace. I want you to have strength. Even while the world is in chaos, I still want my people to have peace. Salvation works in the midst of calamity. Salvation works when there's problems and there's trials and there's trouble. Salvation works any place, anywhere, anytime for God's people if they know how to acquire it through their intercession life and their confession life. Amen. Casting out the devil works all the time. Amen. And he don't get a choice whether he's going to stay or not. Amen. Praise God. I hope you got this. He doesn't get it because you, you have authority over him. Ephesians says you got authority not only in this life, but in the world to come. Amen. He wants you to understand those powers right now. Amen. So, but you know, he says that that power is acquired through intercession. It's acquired through intercession. We have to be a people of prayer. We have to make sure that we enter into intercession every day. Hold your place here in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to come back and read what he says here and go to Luke chapter 18. And let's look what the Bible says about prayer here. Luke chapter 18 and verse one. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to do what? They should always pray. That's what men ought to do, that I should always have what is in Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. That I should have a dialogue of talking to God throughout the day. That I've got to develop a dialogue with him because that's where the power is. 
If I'm going to be used by God, I'm definitely going to have to have a prayer life. He never uses people that don't talk to him, even if they're his children. I know prayer life. Somebody else going to tell you what to do in the kingdom. Why don't you do this? And why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And they still can do that, but I still need to know what God's called me to do. The only way I'm going to know that is through prayer. That's the only way I'm going to know that. Somebody said Jesus prayed about, and they studied Jesus prayed, spent 30% of his life in prayer. Well, there ain't no place in the Bible that tells you Jesus spent 30% of his life in prayer. When you tell me something, and when people make statements around me, my mind starts searching the Bible. Because I've been in it for a long time. If anybody talk, my mind starts searching the Bible. Especially if they talk about spiritual things. They ain't be talking about anything. And my mind starts searching the Bible. Why? Because all a man's answers to his life is in that word. Yeah. Every area of his life is addressed in the word of God. So when I want answers for my life, I go see what the word said. Amen. So when he said that Jesus spent 30 percent of his life in prayer, I said, where's that? I ain't seen it either. So so I, I, I said, God, I said, where is that in the Bible? He said, look it up for yourself. So I went through the whole New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and I studied his life. And I, I got a New Testament Bible. And the only reason why I bought that Bible is to outline his whole prayer life. And when I outlined his whole prayer life, I found out that he spent his whole life in prayer. His whole life, when you say this, I don't do anything unless my father tells me. And then they wrote in, in the book of John that Jesus did so many works that no book or no volumes of book could contain all that he did. So that means while he was doing, he was listening. While he was going, he said, he told him one time they was having a big meeting. But I don't know, thousands of people at the meeting. He said, we need to go and preach to another city. We got to go and preach to another city. Why? Because that's why I was sent. He knew each and every day what he was supposed to do. He got up every day, got assignment. Now, this is how God works. That if you talk to him and establish a relationship with him, then he'll give you a kingdom assignment. Amen. He will not give you another kingdom assignment until you finish the one he gave you. If he assigns you to do something until he speaks to you again, it's going to be about getting that one done. Whatever it is, he may give you assignment as it pertains to your children. He may give you assignment pertaining to your mate. He may give you an assignment pertaining to your occupation. He may give you an assignment if you engage him. If you engage him. He'll talk to you. And the conversation is always going to be about bettering you for kingdom expansion or it's going to be about a kingdom expansion. He's always looking at our growth, and then our effect that our growth has on the kingdom. It's always about expanding the kingdom. And so when you talk to him and establish a relationship, he's going to end up giving you an assignment. And that assignment is to expand the kingdom, which means every person in this church should have heard from God. that says, this is where I want you. This is your place of discipleship, and this is your place of training. You never just waltz in some place 
and just put your name on the membership roll and God didn't speak to you. I don't care if your first cousin go there. That is not God talking to you. That is just your first cousin. That may not be the place of your assignment. If you can't <laughs> and see if you don't consult him, if you don't consult him, then you're not going to know where you're supposed to be. And then then my life is left to wondering and following others. You never follow somebody else when it comes to the plan of God for your life. You get with him and let because because if you keep moving and thinking it's God here, God. And when people do that, I know that it ain't God. That's like five churches in the last five months. That's a person that's moving based on outward experiences and it's not based on an internal fellowship, prayer life and communion with the father. I've been with Dr. Jacobs 35 years. He'll be the only pastor I have of my adult life when I started picking it, when not picking it and following the spirit of God when I was 22 years old. The Holy Ghost led me to him. And the first time he opened his mouth and started talking, I said, God, I knew you was that big. And God is now going to take you to a place that can tell you what he can't do. He has no limitations when it comes to salvation and blessing our lives. He is, he is without limit and he is full of power when it comes to helping us. Amen. Now, I know everybody's experience is not like mine and things like that. People have different experiences and people mature at different times. People start hearing from God at different times in their life. So up until the point I started hearing from God, I could have had a lot of changes until somebody taught me how to hear from God and how to be led by the spirit of God. Because the Holy Ghost, as you as you begin to intercede with God, the Holy Ghost going to lead you in a place where you're supposed to be. He leads you and guides you. He said, I'm going to lead and guide you in all truth. I'm going to take you in places that's going to produce abundance of life for you. So that's what my prayer life is supposed to do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, so Jesus got up and he got assignment. This is what happens to everybody. And it's the way for everybody. As I talk to the father and as I relate to him, he's going to give me an assignment. That assignment is to expand the kingdom. And once I finish this assignment, amen, I go back in prayer with God. So while I'm doing the assignment, guess what? I'm still involved in prayer. Why? Because I'm doing what he said to do based on the communication that came out of prayer. So as long as I'm doing what he told me to do and I'm following the instruction he gave me in that communion time, I'm still communing with him while I'm doing it. Why? Because he's going to help you do what he just told you to do. He never sends you on an assignment by yourself. So he's involved with you while you're doing what he said to do. Amen. That's why when, when John the Baptist got through baptizing Jesus, the father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son. Because he's the one that told him to go down there and get baptized. The father one that told him to go down and be baptized of John. Why? It's written in the Bible. He's supposed to be baptized. That was God's will. Amen. So then at the conclusion of the assignment, I go back into intercession again. So I concluded that Jesus spent 100 percent of his life fellowshipping with the father. Amen. And so what is every believer going to have to do? I'm going to have to I'm going to have to develop the discipline of prayer 
we talked about three stages of prayer. First, you got to have the discipline of it. That where it becomes a part of my life, where it becomes a part of my life on a regular basis. And believe me, Christians have to, God's children have to develop the discipline of prayer. Because prayer is the weakest ministry in the church. It is the weakest ministry in the church. And because it's the weakest ministry in the church, that's why we don't see the miracles and we don't see the power of God on the level we're supposed to see it. And I don't care what church it is. I don't care what the denomination is. It is the weakest ministry in the churches today. It's the weakest. You call, a, you call for Sunday morning service. That's the maximum populated service of the weakest Sunday morning. You go to Bible study. You're lucky if you get 50 percent. You call the prayer meeting. If you get 10 percent of the church, you have done good. If you call for a picnic, though, you're going to get some members you ain't seen for a long time. You're going to get some cousins. <laughs> you're going to get some second, third and fourth cousins. You're going to get some, you're going you're gonna to see some on a whole nother level. Why? Because people are geared to doing things that are natural. Prayer is spiritual. Prayer is spiritual. But where your real strength comes from is the realm of the spirit. The Bible said God is a spirit. John chapter four. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God recreated us through the new birth called being born again. The purpose of being born again is to recreate my spirit for personal fellowship with the father. That was the purpose of recreating my spirit so that I could fellowship with him so that I could hear him just like I hear you. Just like I hear you talking, I can hear him talking. And if you develop the discipline of prayer, you're going to hear God tell you things. The way you're going to get your next increase in promotion, God going to speak to you what you need to do. Amen. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Jay because I knew God was talking to him, but he came to me and he started talking. He's having a career change and he's going to do some things. I told him, no, I wouldn't do that. And after we talked, I said, no, I wouldn't do that. It's a good thing he talked to me because what he's going to do, I wouldn't have done it. And he's going to make some career changes. So we talked. I said, no, I wouldn't do that like that. I wouldn't do this like this. And so he made some adjustments. But then he got, in, he got involved in prayer and intercession, you know, to the level he did. And it brought promotion in his life. Talking to God will always expand you. It will always increase you. It will always bring promotion and blessing in your life. And so you have to, and a lot of times people, wait, pastor, it's not working. What I preach is not working because whatever I preach, you're supposed to take back in the intercession. Amen. What we preach, you should be taking in the intercession. Or I should be exercising what was just preached. So what I'm supposed to do after hearing what I heard Sunday, I'm supposed to know I have the dominion. And I ain't supposed to be taking nothing off the devil from here on out. Amen. I'm not supposed to be taking nothing off the devil from here on out. I'm supposed to be using my dominion and authority. Amen. Amen. Now, now we, the reason why you want to pray and to be sensitive in the spirit, because sometimes the enemy won't try to come 
just boldly to you like a roaring lion. He tries to be deceptive. But you still, through discernment, should be able to pick up on that. Amen. Amen. It's going on, but the enemy don't want me to see it. It's something going on, but he don't want me to see it. But I done picked it up in my spirit now. Prayer helps you to be sensitive in your spirit and it helps you to be sensitive to the solution of what to pray or what to command and what to say. Amen. So the first thing I may have to do is develop the discipline of praying that, you know, I'm going I'm going to do this. This is going to get done. This is going to be one of my assignments every day. I'm going to have a time of prayer. You know, and I taught you it's not how long you pray. The Bible doesn't talk about lengths of prayers. It doesn't talk about that because it don't take long to do it. And we talked about that last week. Amen. And we just demonstrate that last week. Pray 10 minutes, but cover the whole day. Can 10 minutes cover the whole day? Absolutely. But I still want to fellowship with the father throughout the day. Amen. Over different things that may come up. So look at this, what it says right here. Men ought to always pray and do no, do what and not not do what? That prayer is the solution to passing out. <laughs> well, to keep you from passing out. <laughs> Did I say that right? Prayer is the solution to keep from passing out over challenges and situations that come in your life. Men ought to always be in communion with God. And that's what Jesus was in communion with God. Let's look over here at his lifestyle. Now I may come back to Luke. I'll come back to Luke. Look over here in Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter, chapter 1 and verse 30. Jesus' lifestyle was teaching me how to live. Amen. He was teaching me how to live. Now listen to this, what, what we see here. And um, let's go over to Mark chapter 1. And um, I'm trying to see where I want to pick up. Um, look at verse 22. Verse 22. And uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 20. And they were astonished at his doctrine or Jesus teaching. For he taught them as one that had what? Now, where did he get the authority from? He got it from God. Amen. That's where he got his authority from. All authority comes from God and not as the scribes. So the scribes were teaching without authority. And there was there in the synagogue a man that had an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What do we have to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And we learned that this weekend. When your spirit is aligned with the kingdom of God, with divine authority, they know who you are. Amen. They hope you don't know who you are, just like Pastor Peter said. They hope you don't know you got authority. Amen. But they know who you are when you come into the kingdom. Now, how do they know that? Because they are spiritual beings. They're spiritual beings. And when you look at a person's spirit, 
When they look at a person's spirit, they can tell if they're saved and they can tell if they're not saved. They can tell if they belong in the kingdom of God or they can tell if they belong in the kingdom of darkness. Because they don't look at you in your natural outward appearance. They're looking at your spirit. Because the only way he looked different than any other man was because of his spirit. When you looked at Jesus, he just looked like a person of the community. Amen. Because when the other people looked at him and they said they, he just looked like the carpenter's son to us. Why? They're looking at the outside. So they saw something totally different because they're dealing with things in the realm of the spirit. They can tell he was of a different spirit, that he was of the spirit of divinity and they knew he had authority. They knew he had authority. They knew he had authority over them because they said, did you come to torment us before the time? They knew that he had authority to do something with them. Amen. They know you got authority to do something with them. They just hope you don't know that. And you won't know it unless you're properly discipled. You won't know it unless you're properly trained. There's too many Christians running from the devil. I watched them give out a trophy to a man that wrote a song that said the devil is on my tracks. And I sat right there and watched. I was right there at the ceremony and I watched them hand that boy that song for singing that song. And Christians everywhere singing because they got a good beat one. And the devil is on my track. No, you're not supposed to. He's not supposed to be on your track. You are the mighty body of Christ. Upon this rock will I build my church. And hell (laughs) has no ability over me. There ain't no demon anywhere, any place, any time that has any authority over any New Testament believer for any reason. Unless he let him do that. I watched him hand him the trophy and everybody clapped. I didn't clap. I said, Cynthia, did you clap? You was there. I was insulted by the song. And churches singing it everywhere. It was on the number one hit. That's why he got a trophy. Unless you in a church, you don't even really know how to a real. You got a real pastor. You don't even know how to write a song. Amen. I'm just telling you that. I'm just, that was all free there. Amen. And Jesus rebuked him and said, hold that. Shut up. What are you supposed to tell devils to do? Tell him to shut up and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Which means New Testament believers have authority to bring deliverance to other people. Amen. Amen. That you don't have to put up with demonic spirits functioning in your family. Amen. Because demons will come to your house. Don't make me go to Matthew chapter 12 right now. They will come to your house and they will see if anybody's in there exercising spiritual dominion. Yes, they will. And they will they will call that house their home. And to secure their ability to stay there longer, especially if they've been cast out, the Bible said they will bring even seven more demons. And the state of that house will be worse than the last time. If you don't exercise your spiritual dominion, things won't get better. They'll get worse. You really don't have a choice. You're going to be on this planet. You're going to have a good life. You're going to have to exercise your uh, dominion over darkness. 
Amen. People don't believe in demons. Well, they're in the Bible and they love it when you don't believe in them. You make them stealth yourself. Amen. He said, Jesus rebuked him and said, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when he said, it tore him and he came out of him. And, and it says right here, and there were, and they were all amazed so much that they, they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commandeth, with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do what? Jesus wasn't just showing out. He was showing us ourselves. Because he's going to turn around and say, the works I do, I want you to do the same thing. And you are to cast out devils too, which means that he has given us authority to cast out devils and to command and they obey. They don't stay. They obey. They don't stay. Amen. Over here, was it Luke chapter 10 where the, the, he sent the disciples out and they were so excited that the devils do exactly what we say. Jesus said, don't get excited that they obey you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And the reason why they obey you is because where your name is written. That's the reason why they listen to you because you are on high in heaven and of the kingdom you are in is greater than their kingdom and they have to listen to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And I give you power Authority to tread upon scorpions and serpents. Amen. And all the works of darkness and nothing shall by any means harm you. When you are in this kingdom, you have dominion over Satan and you are demon free. Amen. Now look what it says right here. Let's go down. He says here. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the regions about Galilee. When real power is in the church, the whole region gets affected. Come on now. That's why we're going to have this revival. Church on the Rock is called to affect the region. But I'm going to show you this. This is this kind of ability is only exercised through people who are word and spirit people. They spend time fellowshipping in the word and they spend time fellowshipping with God, understanding the authority they have. And then they just get up and go do it. Amen. 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 I was watching Dr. Summer. Everybody ought to watch Dr. Summerall's life on YouTube. The reason why I just watched Dr. Summerall's life, because Dr. Summerall was a spiritual father to Dr. Ed Dufresne. Yeah who was a spiritual father to Dr. Michael Jacobs, right. who was a spiritual father to Dr. Keith Rogan. Yeah. Right. Amen. Right. So this anointing is in our church. Yes. Right. Amen. And I heard him talk about this, but I had to sit there and watch Dr. Summerall's whole life story. And I heard him talk about delivering this woman from Billy Bat prison. I know y'all probably heard him talk about that. Right. De- uh, delivering this woman who was demon possessed in Billy Bat prison, that her parents in, in, in Manila, Philippines, and I don't know exactly how she got in. I don't, I don't know if it was anything related to her parents, but she got into prostitution at a very young age. 
very young age. You have to understand in any sexual immorality, demons are there. And this is why demons are so accessible in people's life, because they give you what you lust for. They help you with that. They entice you with that. That's what they are. And, 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 and the reason why they do that, because they don't ever want you to be a person of authority and dominion. So they try to get you in a lifestyle that's opposed to God so that when it comes to exercising authority to cast them out, you don't have none. Amen. Matter of fact, they got you. Around any sexual immorality, pornography or anything like that, demons are involved. They're around that. And so she got in somehow, probably could just, you know, didn't really say how, got in prostitution. And he said it got to a place that it was the number he used wasn't in the teens, wasn't in the 20s and 30s of men every day. To the point a demon came and possessed her. And it got so bad, the only place they could put her was in prison. And Dr. Summerall, God called him to Manila, Philippines. And he was going there to start a Bible school there. And he was building the building. The construction was really slow. The money was coming in and he had no students. Had very few students. They was interested in what he taught in deliverance and, and salvation of the gospel. He wanted to train up nationals to take the gospel all over the the Philippines. And he was building a, a Bible university there to do that with. And then he found out about this girl that was in the Philippines in this place called Billy Bat Prison. And God told him to go there, notice, through intercession. God told him, you're going to go there and minister deliverance to this girl. And he didn't even know how he was going to get in there. But the architect that was working on his building knew one of the governors of that area and region who knew the prison, got the head warden of the prison and who knew the military generals in that was in that area. And so he he told his friend, take me to the governor so that. I can request access to the prison because you couldn't just go in there. You had to get access. And they said, you want to go in there and try to minister to that woman? <laughs> that anytime when she was in prison, anytime a man touched her. That she would begin to scream because the demon would bite her. And wherever they touched her, when they moved their hand, you would see teeth marks and saliva. It got that bad. The possession got that bad. And then <laughs> she might even pass out and be gone for three or four hours. So <laughs> they went and met with the governor. The governor said, <laughs> yeah, you can go in and see. You want to go see her now? He said, no, it took so long for me to get in here. You see, her, I'll come tomorrow. So he went home and he fasted and he prayed. And the next day came. <laughs> 
the architect didn't come. So he said, I don't need him. I can go myself. So he went to the prison. He said when he got there, the newspaper showed up. One of one of the generals in the military showed up. The medical team that was helping this girl showed up. The warden showed up and the governor went and they all going down the ward together to the place where this girl was being held. And they got in the room with her. And he said when they brought her in, she sat down and looked at him and called him a bastard and said he was born um, a bastard and he didn't know who his daddy was and didn't know who his mama was and cursed the blood of Jesus and then cursed Jesus. All of that came out of as soon as she saw him. He said, I sat there and I said, I'm not a bastard. My dad is such and such as this. My mother is so and so of this. He said, and the blood of Jesus is holy blood and sanctified blood and cleansing blood and delivering blood. And Jesus is not a bastard. He is the son of the most high God. And he said, after he got to refuting everything, he said, shut up. When he said that, the doctor grabbed a hold of her. You know what happens when another man touches? She hollered and screamed. When the doctor touched her, she hollered and screamed and passed out. When the doctor turned loose of it, he saw the teeth print and the saliva on her arm. And he said, I've had enough of this today. And he took off. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm out of here. So the doctor left. So they said, normally when she passed out, like she'd be gone for three or four hours. So this is over. He said, no, came to deliver her. And so he commanded her to come back. In the name of Jesus. And she came back up and he cast the devil out of her right there in front of everybody. And just like he said in the Bible, it immediately she was normal in her right mind. And the devil stopped touching her. You know, people could touch her again without the demons inflicting her because they were gone. And she said they saw him shoot out the window in the room that they were in. And she was normal in her right mind. And I want you to know, he said, the newspaper reporters were sitting there writing. <laughs> he said the next day in the Philippines and on the news, this thing was spread abroad. He said students came from all over the Philippines to come to my Bible school. It was all packed and it was full. And he said, we a revival started. People started getting saved. Churches started popping up all over the Philippines. Because one man knows God. Well, what can happen when one person knows God who gets in his presence and intercedes and knows God? He said it got to the place that God told him you're going to have to leave. Because they're beginning to worship you instead of Jesus. He said it broke my heart. He said when he got ready to go to the airport, all the students and churches followed him to the airport and watched his plane take off. He said, there's a day I can't get out of my mind, but I had to go. God said, you can't stay here no more. 
So he come back to the United States. And when he got to the United States, that's when he met Dr. Dufresne and started training him in the ministry of deliverance. And started training. Dr. Jacob started studying him because when God, Dr. Jacob started studying deliverance, he said, I only want you to read Dr. He said, I first don't want you to read nobody's book, read the Bible. Then he said, I just want you to read Dr. Summerall's material. That's our heritage. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to be a church that runs from the devil. Amen. Amen. We're not going to be a church that runs from the devil. We're not going to be a church taken in by demonic influence. Amen. That's why the Bible says you want to keep yourself unspotted for the world. Because why? When, when Adam disobeyed God, that's how he got his authority. That's how he lost his authority. Yeah. He don't want Christians walking around with authority. He don't care if you go to church. He don't care if you sing in the choir. He don't care if you're part of the usher. He don't care if your name's on the road. He don't want you to have power and authority to influence what he's doing. What is he doing? Stealing, killing, and destroying. That is what he is up to. And the only institution in the earth that heaven has ordained power and authority to deal with the devil is called the church on the rock. Upon this rock I build my church. Amen. And the gates of it. I'm building them on the anointing that was, I'm building the church on the same anointing I put on Jesus. And that's to heal the sick, to cast out devils, and to preach the gospel. And no deadly thing shall harm you. Amen. I stopped right there because I remembered that because it said his immediately his frame spread, fame spread aboard. God is looking for some, some mighty deliverances to take place in this revival that we're entering into. And it says right here, and, and it says over here in verse 29, and forthwith when they were come out of the synagogue, they, I'm reading verse 29, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew, James and John, and Simon's mother was laid sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and he took her by the hand. And lifted her up and immediately the fever left. He said, I want you to do the same works. And she ministered unto them. And it says in that evening when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. And them that were possessed with devils. Every city got somebody got the devil. Every city got some, because that's where the demons are. They hate humanity and they want them to have miserable lives. Satan hates us because we were made in the image and likeness of God and we are his replacement to occupy the earth. And all he wants to do is wreak havoc with us because of that. And you don't have a choice. If you're going to live on this planet, you need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to speak in other tongues. You need to cast out devils. You need to lay hands on the sick. And especially doing it in your own house first. Don't let a demon run through your own house. Amen. Or through your family or through your children. Take authority over them. And it says, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick with divers disease, cast out many devils. And suffer not the devils to speak because they knew him. When they know you, that means you got power. And then it says right here, and in the morning, I said, I read all that to get to this verse 35. In the morning, 
rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That was the key to his strength. When you study Jesus' life, he goes from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. And in the middle of it, he preaches, he heals, and he delivers. Amen. You know what God wants you to do? Go from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. And in between, you minister in line the way the Spirit shows you to do it. Now, Isaiah 50, verse 4, is a prophetic word about the prayer meeting of Jesus Christ. Look what it says right here. And he prayed, and there he prayed. And Simon and they that were, were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Where did they find him? He got up, they found him praying. They found him praying. So in Luke chapter 11, they kept watching this. He goes from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. And in the middle of the thing, he's on assignment with God. So no wonder it finally got to the place. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They stopped watching and they, 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 they was following him. They was watching him. People ought to watch your bed to see your prayer life. Your prayer life shouldn't be invisible from your children. Your prayer life shouldn't be invisible from your mate. Somebody ought to be able to follow you in intercession because that's where the power is coming from. That's where the power is going to come from is through your prayer life. Now let's go over here and look at Isaiah 50 and then we're about done. I'm going to go back to Luke and then we'll be done. Look over here in Isaiah 50 because it talks about the life of Jesus Christ is who this is talking about. I, the book of Isaiah may talk about Jesus prophetically more than any other book in the entire Bible. Talking about the Savior that's to come. And look what it says right here in verse 4, Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord God to whom you pray, it says, the Lord God have given me the tongue of the learned. Notice that God had to give him the tongue of the learned. It's something that had to be acquired by God talking to him. God had to give it to him. And when did God give it to him? God gave it to him in intercession. And this is why he gave it to him. Look what he said. God had given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Amen. The reason why God gave me the tongue is because I'm going to go through the day and meet weary people. Did you see the assignment that he went through in one day ministering to a whole city? Now, how did he get the ability to minister to the whole city? God gave it to him to him in intercession. Power comes out of God giving you something in his presence. Moses just didn't go running back up into Egypt. God had to get with him and give him something. He gave him something at the fiery bush, the bush that wouldn't burn. When he got it there in the presence of God, God told him to take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And I'm going to show you and give you the ability to go help three million people get out of slavery. They can't get themselves out. I've got to give you something and give you an ability to get them out. God wants to commune with you, not only just to help you, but to help others live with power. Amen. And it only comes through prayer. This is why Derek Prince said the person that prays and fellowships with God is the most powerful planet person on the planet. And the devil's been short circuiting the children of God out of their intercession life. They've been doing church. 
without the tongue of the learned. They've been doing church without his power. They've been doing church without his ability. They're doing it without his ability. And that's why they that's, that's why you, you don't see deliverances take place and you don't see healings take place. That is not the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is some brand of Christianity that is completely unbiblical. Well, we got people possessed with demons. We got people. We got people possessed with all kind of demonic and, 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 and lustful attacks over their life. We got to begin to get people free. So that they become soldiers in God's army instead of being bound with something and living with it and living a powerless life and calling it a church. Look what it says right here. It says right here in the morning, he's I know how to speak a word in season to him that's weary. Now, how did he cast out devils? The Bible said he spoke words, didn't he? So God gave him the words. This is what you're going to say when you confront this demon. This is what you're going to say to this person when you confront them with this disease in their body. This is what, how you're going to minister to them. He gave him the word and how to minister to the day, which means when I come to challenge in the day, I should have an answer for it. Yeah. People who commune with God have an answer. They don't sit there. The Bible said and faint and pass out and give up and quit. No, I got an answer for this situation that came in my life. It's not going to get victory over me. It's not going to get victory over my family. It's not going to get victory over my children. It's not going to get victory over my finances. It's not going to get victory over my body. No, I got in God's presence and I knew this was coming and I got an answer for it. He gave me a word of what to say. Any challenge in your life, you ought to have a response to it. It ought to be a heavenly response. It ought not to be I quit, I give up or what the heck or what to use. It ought to be a biblical response. I got in the presence of the almighty God. That's what it should be. It should be no fleshly response. It should be a response that came from heaven. And you're going to have challenges in your life. It's going to look like times you don't have enough money. It's going to look like times you don't have enough people with you. But now if God gave me a assignment to do it, bless God for heaven. All of heaven is behind me to get it done. And I'm going to finish the assignment he gave me. Amen. Look what it says right here. And look what he says right here. And this is what he said. He says that I should know how to speak a word to him in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth me. What? When Jesus said to pray the Lord's prayer. He said, give us our bread every day. Day by day to get up in the morning means to get supplied every day to get up in the morning. Going to intercession means to get supplied every day to get up in the morning means to get some answers for the day. You ought to get up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. You ought to get up and say, no evil work is going to consume me today. You got to say, I'm delivered from all forms of temptation. You got to get up and say you deliver from temptation because God says that's a part of your prayer life. If you don't ever address temptation, then temptation will overtake you. There ain't one person living on the planet. The enemy don't know the area of temptation for their life. The book of Psalms says the devil just sits there and take notes. He sits there and take notes about what takes you. That's what it said. I got to find that scripture and bring it to you since Psalm. He said he sits there and he your enemy observes you. 
He observes the weaknesses in your life. And then he strategizes all day long to get you in that environment. So nobody's ever safe, especially if you live in without. If you live without power, you ain't never safe because it's just a matter of time. I always tell people the devil don't need your whole life. He just need a moment. Pastor Cynthia was showing me that has a woman. Shoot her children. I was watching this lady in Atlanta. College kids. That ain't normal. And then turn the gun on yourself. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Living a nice neighborhood. They ain't living down in the hood. These children are in college and some of the most prestigious universities that our country can have. So this ain't no broke family. It don't matter how much education you got. It don't, devil don't care what college you went to. The devil don't care what your address is or what side of the, what side of the tracks you live on. He does not care. All he wants to know is your house swept and garnished. Are you a prayerless and wordless person? And if you are, you on his list. And he ain't got to get you today. Why? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Does that song say tomorrow? He's persistent. And the Bible calls him our adversary. And he seeketh whom he can take. And it's obvious he could take that home. Don't you think he would love to try that on the whole city? Sure he would. But if you're a New Testament believer, he has no defense against you. If you're a person that decides you're going to be a word and prayer person, he has no defense against you. He has no defense against the real church. That church cast out devils. Why? Because they get with God. Look what it says right here. He says right here, he opens, he said he, he wakeneth. We could say me morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as to learn. Which means that every day God wants to talk to his family. Every day God wants to talk to his children. What do he want to talk to you about? He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you a supply every day. He wants to talk to you. He said he waketh me morning by morning. You know the first touch you get in the morning, you know who that is? You know who that is? The alarm clock don't wake you up. The alarm clock don't wake nobody up. It's people, the alarm clock went off and they just stayed there. And they weren't even dead. They just didn't hear it. They slept through the alarm clock. Alarm clocks don't wake you up. The Bible says, or in Acts or Corinthians, in him we move and live and have our being. So that every morning you get wake up, you've really been touched by God. 
Every morning you get up, he wants to talk to you. He wants to empower your life that day. Look over here what it says over here. Let's go back over here. Well, in verse five, it said, the Lord have opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turn away back. When God wakes me up or when I hear the word of God, when I hear a message like this, I ain't supposed to turn away from that word. When God is speaking, don't turn away from the word. When he's talking, don't turn away from his word. Why? He's trying to bring a rescue to my life. He's trying to bring a deliverance to my life. Evan Roberts said this, who led the revival in Welsh. The Welsh revival that came before the Zusa Street revival. He said, men need to stop resisting God. The difference between Jesus' life and most of the life of humanity is that they resist him. There's a resistance to him. And church resist, it's one thing for the world to resist him. But church resistance is another thing. We don't preach that to us because we don't want to hear it. That's resisting God. Well, we don't like that message, even though it comes right out of the Bible. We don't want to hear that. And now preachers really don't really even touch the real Bible anymore because they know that the congregation that they got really don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear it. Preach something that's going to make us jump. Sing about 35 songs and don't give us the real word. Just let us sing our way into some happiness now and get up and preach some real little old Reader's Digest message that ain't going to cast out our devil, ain't going to hear our sick, and we'll call that church and we'll live with it. Well, I got one person said I'm telling the truth. That's okay. I'm going to preach the word anyway. Amen. Praise God, because I know what holds a life and a home together. It's the word of God. The Bible said, unless the Lord is building your house, you ain't going to have one. Not religion. Let's turn over here. Let me show you how to build it. Then I'm done right here. This is something everybody can do. We did it last week. So why are you covering it again? Because I don't know if you did it every day. And I ain't going to ask for a show of hands. Amen. I covered this last week. I told you they're going to take it about five minutes to pray. Amen. But it'll cover your whole life. Look over here. This is what you can pray. Every believer ought to be praying this because the Lord, I'm going back to chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. Then I'm done. I'm going to read this. Then I'm going to pray with you. Then I'm going, then I'm going home. Amen. Amen. Couples need to pray together. They can pray this prayer together for five minutes. Amen. One can pray and the other one can, can just be in agreement. Amen. The Bible's talked about touching and agree. One can pray and, uh, and, uh, and another can, you can take turns leading in prayer and the other can just be in agreement. Amen. Amen. When they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he immediately responded. And he said unto them, based on their request, verse 2, Luke 11, verse 2, when you pray, when implies there's a time. Say, he even told you what to say. He gave me instruction of what to say to the Father. Amen. So I would know how to pray. When somebody teach you how to pray, they teach you what to say. And the more skillful you are with the word, the more skillful you are in prayer. These are men that don't know how to pray, that ask, teach us how to pray. 
And he gave them the entry level prayer. And you can take this prayer and expand it and it'll always work with power. Why? He said, if you talk this way to the father, then it's got to work because I taught it. And this is what I'm praying. Amen. It'll work. And every New Testament believer ought to pray these things. And there's some other things to pray for us. Our life, prayer life expand. Well, let's just start. I'm starting on the ground level for everybody. Amen. Amen. I'm starting on the ground level for everybody. And it says right here, when you pray, say our father, because he's your daddy. You got to let God be your dad. You know, if your dad is on, the, your dad is the baseball coach, you're going to get to play. Amen. <laughs> your dad is the baseball coach. You're going to get to play. Amen. <laughs> your dad is a football coach. You're going to be the quarterback, whether you can throw or not. It don't matter. <laughs> You're going to be the quarterback. Come on down. It says right here, when you pray, our father, which art in heaven, letting you know that God in heaven is your daddy. Amen. Hallowed be thy name, which means because you're my daddy, I'm going to respect you and honor you. That your voice is going to be hallowed. Your word is going to be hallowed in my life. You let him know the first thing. <clears throat> the, my first response to you is my father's. I respect you and I honor you. I honor your name and who you are. Thy kingdom come. Your rule kingdom means your power and your rule and dominion come. That we're going to live today in the power of God. When you say the kingdom, when you look up the word kingdom, it means dominion. What did Pastor Peter say? The dominion mandate. You are exercising the dominion mandate with this prayer. Yes. Yes. Amen. You are calling in the dominion mandate. Your kingdom come, which means your rule, your word, and the power of your word and your dominion is come. Praise God. Amen. That I'm functioning today in the power of God. And when I get to this part, I say your kingdom come. And your will be done in my life. My wife, I had to cover past the sentence because I don't want her cutting up. That's going that's good. They could make a bad day. The men should have said amen to that. The married men anyway. I, I cover her too. I don't know. Praise God. She pray herself, but I cover her too. Amen. I want a definitely insurance policy on that. I don't want no home trouble. I say your, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my wife. Then I cover my children. Amen. I cover my children. Then I cover you because I don't want you cutting up either. I cover the church. Your kingdom will be done in the church I pastor. Amen. I, if it's, I, I'm going to be in it with you. I can't leave here. My assignment is here. So I praise God. I want God's will done here. Yes. Then I cover my city, my state, the nation, the whole world. Right. Good. Sure do. I really say your name be honored. I want honor. Your name be honored in my life. Your name be honored in my wife. Your name be honored in my children and my church. Because at the end of the day, the kingdom's coming with power. And God's will is going to be done in the end. And then nothing going to be left but the honorable people. That's it. It's coming to pass. I say that to him. Thy will be done. 
as it is in heaven, so in earth. In all those places I just named. Then it says, give us day by day our daily bread. Every child of God woken in the morning is supposed to be receiving a supply from heaven. Amen. Now I wonder why so many believers are still eating crusted bread from three weeks old. Because they will not pray about their day. Heaven has heaven's plan is a daily supply to your house so that your days are running out. Look like you're running out. Feel like you're running out. Thank you. Running out is over with. And you know how it ends by you getting up saying Jesus said the way to pray about this. Is to invoke heaven. Your heavenly father to release a supply to you every day. Now, you know, he, he ain't telling them to do something he didn't do. So that means he's praying this. So when he gets out there, there's 5,000 people to pray for. He done already called for the bread. Yes, amen. The bread is already cooking. Amen. Come on now. He got, he, he, that bread got cooked early that morning before he got it. He act like he called it in that day. He called, that supply was already cooking that day. God had already shown him what he was going to do. He just asked his disciples, what y'all think we ought to do? Somebody said, well, I think we ought to run in town. And buy all the bunny bread we can find. <laughs> Get all the whole wheat bread, all the hamburger buns. It's going to take everything. Get all the rolls you can find. Get all the sunbeam rolls you can find. <laughs> Somebody said it ain't enough in town to feed this many people. Because they came from different towns. And so it ain't no one town you can go to. And then one said, it ain't a, even if we had the money, there ain't enough money to pay for the bread we got to have and ain't enough bread in town. So that means it's got to come. For, if it's going to come. One time they said, send them home. Send them. Send them home. <laughs> we can't help them. <laughs> That's God said. <laughs> said we can't help them. If heaven is on our side, there ain't no situation that can't be helped. If a person is in contact with heaven. If somebody gets up and say, heavenly father. That means I have established a relationship with heaven. That leads to bold living. When I get up every day and, and, and I set this thing, I have set a relationship with heaven. I have declared that heaven is going to supply me, not just today, but tomorrow. That's why David got up and said, goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And if an Old Testament man can get up and say, goodness is coming after me, not just today for the rest of my life. That means a New Testament believer can get up and say, I got a supply today. There's care packages coming my way. Bless God forever because my heavenly father is supplying me. Then he goes on down here, since you're not excited about that, let's move on. He said, forgive us of our sins. When you mess up, you got to confess up. Some folk got a way of messing up and just keep walking. You know people like that. They just keep moving. They keep the same groove. They just keep moving. They done messed up and they won't say. And, and Father says, I want you to examine yourself. Why? Because sin leads to a powerless life. You're not going to have confidence in front of the devil playing with him all day and then need to cast him out. He's going to say, we're friends. What are you talking about? 
when you see people, how did, how did um, Ravenhill say it? The man that has stopped praying is sinning. The man that is praying has stopped sinning. The man that has stopped praying has started sinning. Don't look at me like that. But the praying man has stopped sinning. See, you ain't going to have no ongoing relationship with him and fellowshipping with him and walking with him in the day. And open to that. A prayerless life is an open door to temptation. You just write it down. You just write it down. Amen. That's why he says, if you do have an offense in your life and you do have a misgiving in your life, you got to stand before me and talk to me about it because I don't want you living without power. I don't want the enemy to have no inroads into your life. So every day, I want you to examine yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. If Pastor Cynthia, if the voice get to a certain octave, I can tell if the voice gets so high. I, yeah, I asked her, I said, did you just raise your voice? And I have a certain limit. If she get over certain decibels, I have labeled that sin. I said, you're going to talk to the Father about that. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no. A lot of the offenses will occur right where you live. Mm-hmm. They're going to occur where you meet people, where you meet people. Mm-hmm. You, got to, you got to answer to that. You can't just keep walking. It's going to produce a powerless life. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to want to lay hands on and sick. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to want to cast out and devil. You ain't going to want to pray in and. And means one. Right. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do it. And then he says, after you get through confessing your sins and receiving forgiveness, now I need you to release everybody. I'm going to release you and you're going to be able to walk away clean. No charge. Heaven has no charge against you now. Even if you messed up and messed up, you can turn around. The moment you get that cleaned up with God, you turn around and cast out every devil, the, 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 the demon that came to, into your vicinity. Because mm-hmm. your fellowship has been restored. Yeah. So your dominion is restored. Amen. Then he turned around and said this. If anybody has sinned against you, you got to release them. Yeah, that's another believer probably. No, I remember what you did. And some people even go far and say this. I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Then that ain't forgiveness. Because the devil going to bring it back to your mind. And the person don't thank you for giving them. And you stand over there looking at them. They're over there sleeping like Jesus in the boat. And you standing there just staring at them. It's just steaming, getting turned over. And like a hot stove just turning. Because you see it, you wasn't going to forget it. When you forgive people, it don't even come back to your mind anymore. And you don't allow it to come back. That's when the Bible says you got to cast down imaginations. You cannot let your mind be a playground for the devil to run vengeance back through your mind. You cast that down. You stand up before God and you say, I release them. 
And if feelings try to come back up, you cast those feelings down. I am not going to lose my dominion over something that happened in the past. I'm not going to lose my dominion today over something that happened in the past. I am going to forgive people. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a weak amen, but I, I hope you're listening right now. I'm trying to help you. Every day you got to get up and dress forgiveness because if you don't, it'll produce a hard heart in you. It'll put it'll produce a hardness of heart in you and it'll be like building a wall. And then that person come around. You don't even feel right around them no more. You just get all ugly feeling around you. It's because you ain't walked in forgiveness toward them. Now, if it tries to come back up and emotions try to come back after you forgive them and you really move in that direction, you cast that down. You cast that emotion down. Even if you ask God for forgiveness and then emotions try to come back like and still try to be a part of your, you cast that down too. Because once you have released your words, Father, I release them. And I receive release from you, Father. You never let that torment you ever again. It is, and in the spirit, forgiveness is done. Because forgiveness gets done in the spirit without feelings. And so the enemy tries to get in your soul realm and tries to bring the fence up through your soul. That's where you use your authority to cast it down. You cast it down. You don't let those emotions come. You said, I've already forgiven them. And that ain't nothing but an old emotion trying to get back in me and trying to get me to live out of my soul instead of my spirit. I ain't living out of my soul. I live out of my spirit. Amen. I'm helping you whether you're saying amen or not. Then it says right here, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, God never tempts any man. The Bible tells us you got to interpret the Bible accurately. God does not put temptation in front of you. The Bible calls the devil the tempter. You're just saying, Father, I receive deliverance because God said anytime you're tempted, he'll provide a way of escape. So I receive deliverance from all temptations. You know, you got a certain area the devil try to tempt you in. You got to cover that in the morning. You got to cover that. You got to invoke a deliverance from temptation every single day of your life. The Bible tells us we have to. Every day, because if you don't. You're a temple person. And you don't care, you don't get get that deal with. He'll have you make a decision. That could affect the rest of your life just in a moment of time. Like I said, he don't need your whole life. He just need a moment. In one moment, that's all he needs. And you defend yourself against that moment by every day you get up. Father, I want to thank you for deliverance from all temptation. I'm delivered from all temptation and all evil. And no evil work shall prevail in my household. I get up and I pray for you to be delivered from every evil work. Amen. What is that? What are we looking at? Look, Second Timothy. Go over here and look at Second Timothy four. And then I'm Second Timothy four and First Peter. Did you get some help? Yeah. I got. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise God. You taught on prayer again this week. Well, I probably teach on prayer this week if I get in my prayer closet and I say, Lord, how they doing? He said, Go to Luke chapter eleven next week. Then I know what's up. Second Timothy 
Is it check 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18? Yes. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4, 18. And the Lord, you need to get up and say this, shall deliver me, my family, from every evil work yes. and preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. I know this person was in this situation. Say almost a similar situation. And because they had a prayer covering, a person was going to commit suicide. And because they had a prayer covering, they just said, I'm going to kill you. And because they had a prayer covering, the person couldn't pull the trigger on themselves, on that person. But they didn't have one. And they end up committing suicide. And that's a terrible thing to do to see something like that. But because that person had a prayer covering, he will deliver you from every evil work. He'll deliver you from every evil work. And preserve you in this heavenly kingdom. Look over here in First Peter. You have to say these things. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you, you have to say these things. The devil is crazy. Amen. And you shouldn't be afraid of him. You don't need to be afraid. I'm teaching these things so you don't be afraid of him. First Peter five, first Peter chapter one and verse five. Who are kept by the power. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I get up and I say over you, you kept by the power of God. Yes. Amen. Praise God. I remember when uh, Carlita's daughter, uh, Diamond, was in that car accident. And the, her SUV rolled over two or three times. And I believe she said it landed on his feet. You know, the devil don't want your truck landing on the feet. He wants your truck, your feet or your truck pointing to the sky. But her truck landed on four feet. And in the passenger seat, the Bible was sitting there after rolling over. You know, your Bible's supposed to be in the interstate pages. King, you know, Luke up, up three houses up, blowing in the wind. Revelations blowing south somewhere. Bible scattered all over stuff everywhere. But the Bible was sitting on the car seat, closed up, untouched. After the, after the thing rolled over. Praise God. When you say that he loses angels, a woman run up to the car and saw the whole accident, looked in the car and saw the Bible. She said, it's like somebody was sitting in here with you. It ain't like somebody was. It ain't like it was. Somebody was up in there because when you begin to declare God's word, the whole spiritual realm comes into operation and angels are on assignment to protect you. They got to keep you. Pastor Peter said I was in the accident two times, 75 miles an hour in a car and walked out of both of them. You're supposed to walk out of stuff 
Amen. You're supposed to walk out of every snare that the enemy sets for you because God said he provides a way of escape. He's supposed to watch you walk out of all kind of depression, watch you walk out of all kind of, of, of attacks of the enemy, watch you walk out of people don't like you on the job, watch you walk out of sickness, watch you walk out of disease, let you walk out of poverty. He's supposed to, you're supposed to be walking through. He said, even though I walk through the valley. Amen. I'm just going through it. I don't plan on building a tent and camping out there. I'm going through this because I got a table on the other side. Amen. He set a table for me. Amen. And good. My cup what? Running over. Come on now. And goodness and mercy is following me. What? All the day. It ought to show up that you living for God. It's going to show up if you got a prayer life. It's going to show up if you declare day by day. I got a supply. It's going to show up. Amen. You're going to have peace with God if you get up and pray. Go ahead and stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Severus, you going to play? Well, come on. Hallelujah. I saw Severus earlier today. He was on the job. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The things you learned on that job, God never puts you in a place that doesn't prepare you for your future. You're learning things that's going to prepare you to lead in the house of God. I just sat there and watched him. God told me to tell you that. And it just hit me right there when I was... I might show up at your job tomorrow. You never know. <laughs> Maybe at your job. What's <laughs> MJ like? I might be at your, he may take me. He took me to his job today. He was doing a good job. I better not come there and find you in that sleep. <laughs> oh, I was like, come out of him. Spirit of slumber. Anyway, praise God. That's what he told me to tell you. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we bless you in this place today. We thank you that prayer is our ministry. Prayer is our place in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over this congregation, over this entire church. I plead the blood of Jesus over your home. Hallelujah. I plead the blood over your home. I declare the devil can't have nobody in your house in the name of Jesus. You should have said amen to that. Hallelujah. You got to say something. You got to talk up in here. Amen. You ain't going to have none but what you say. Hallelujah. And I pray like that. You ought to get in agreement. I'm trying to help your house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The devil can't have nobody in your house. Everybody in your house, we claim for the kingdom of God. I declare the devil can't have your children in the name of Jesus. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. We take authority over you. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus over every home represented here. And Satan, you can't have nobody in our family. You can't have our children. You can't have our mate. You can't have our grandchildren. We take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Get out! Get out of our homes. Get off our children. Get off our family members. We say so right now in the name of Jesus. And we praise you and we thank you for it. Father, we declare your kingdom has come. Rule has come and dominion has come from heaven. Let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, let my life work just like it would be in heaven. Let this church work like just like it would be in heaven. Let homes work just like it would be in heaven. For your power has come.
And I want to thank you for days of heaven on earth. In the name of Jesus, we worship you because you are Heavenly Father. And we honor you. We respect your word. Hallelujah. We praise you and we thank you. We honor you, Lord. And because we honor you, I want to thank you every day there's a supply coming. Every day there's a supply. Day by day, wisdom is coming. Understanding is coming. Answers come day by day. Power in the name of Jesus. Day by day, provision comes in the name of Jesus. Promotion and increase and expansion. Millions on this congregation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this mighty, wonderful work. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We give you praise and honor and thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And where we missed it, we ask for forgiveness. Where we transgress your will and your word, we ask for forgiveness. Forgive us of our sins and trespasses against you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can receive mercy right now as you stand in the presence of God. God wants you in his presence asking for forgiveness because Jesus has already washed your sins away. Hallelujah. And Father, we stand in your presence and we ask you to forgive those who have trespassed against us. We release them. Hallelujah. We release them in the name of Jesus. Just like you set me free. Just like you re remember my sins and iniquities no more. That's how we release them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say I release them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We all go free. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Can you give God some praise about that? Thank you Lord. We all go free. In Jesus name. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free to live like a king. Free to live like a priest. Free to live like an heir of God. Free to live like a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I declare we're delivered from every evil work. Hallelujah. And preserved in your heavenly kingdom. Kept by the power of God. I declare we're delivered from temptation. Hallelujah. We don't yield our members to temptation. We yield our members to you, Father, as instruments of God. I declare we're dead to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. And we praise you and we thank you for it. And all the money we need to finish our building, I declare it's done. All the approvals are done. People got a mind to work on our project in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for promotion and increase to the people of God. And the businesses of this church, they're expanding, they're getting larger, they're growing. Supernatural increases here. Oh, promotion has been going on and it's gonna keep going on. Expansion has been going on. Enlargement in finances, enlargement in the church is going on, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to the Most High God. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. Every word of it's coming to pass. Hallelujah. Because our Heavenly Father loves us so much. And Father, we praise you 
and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we just prayed no more than 10 minutes. It don't take that long. That's why I keep telling you it don't take that long. You can cover your whole day in just 10 minutes. And all you got to do is just get up and get yourself right. Get yourself right. Get your day right. And that's the beginning of prayer. And you got to discipline yourself to just do 10 minutes a day. And then it's going to expand. Because if you conquer discipline, you're going to go into desire. Because see, the time is not going to expand until you get into desire. But you can't get into desire until you conquer discipline. Don't try to play long hours because you ain't finished. You ain't got discipline beat yet. You ain't conquer discipline yet. And the moment you conquer discipline, you're going to go into desire. And you're going to want to talk to God all the time. You're going to want to talk to Him. Because you're going to start seeing results. Amen. Praise God. And then once you get into desire and get into desire and desire, you're going to get into delight. And that's when He makes you joyful. In, the, in his presence is fullness of joy. He promised, I'm going to make you joyful in the house of prayer. Your goal is to get into delight. Why did they get into delight? He said, man, we got authority over the demons. He said, they start rejoicing. He said, I want you to rejoice even more now because your name is written in heaven. Start with discipline. And look what Jesus gave them to pray. He didn't give them the whole book of Leviticus to pray. He just handed them two verses. Said, you want to stop praying like me? Here are two verses. Start right here. This is where you start. This is how you cover your whole day. You cover your whole home. You cover, your house got to be covered. Your life got to be covered. Don't get up and not put a kingdom covering over your business and over your life. Don't get up and live like that. That's how the unbeliever lives. They live prayerless lives because they can't call on the Father. But God said, I want a distinction between you. He says, he promises in Matthew 6, 6, if you just shut the door with me 10 minutes a day, I'll show out in the public in your life throughout the day. Amen. Let something happen to you out in the open so that everybody can see that you connected with heaven. When that bread came down and fed 5,000, they knew Jesus was connected with heaven. When everybody in the city got healed, they knew he was connected with heaven. When they saw people getting delivered, they knew he was connected with heaven. Your mate needs to know you're connected with heaven. Your children need to know you are connected. You are not living an ordinary life. You are living an extraordinary life because you are connected with heaven. Hallelujah. And prayer is your connection. Our Father who art in heaven. You get some help tonight. Give God some praise. Yeah.